Um, <laughs> and Luna has to cut that out every time because I, I just, it throws me so much. So Luna, sorry, you have to cut this out now. Um, hey everyone, my name is Ashley Little from Wholesaling Out of the Box and I am joined today by Cameron Peters and Sean Bowen. And today we're going to talk about subject to the existing mortgage. Um, and so this is a creative financing deal that a lot of people find very overwhelming. They, they know that it's there or some people may not even know that it's there but they don't know how to do it. And so to them, it's this kind of far off mystical thing. And that's why they stick within this very strict deal parameter. And that's that's what creative financing is all about, is being able to pick up new ways to do deals because sometimes things don't necessarily work with the seller or with you. And then you're all, no one is making any kind of money on that. No, the problem for the seller isn't being solved. Whereas with subject two, you're able to solve the seller's problem you're able to make sure both of you make money and the deal gets closed and everyone is hopefully happy at the end of the day. Um, so let's start off with what is subject to the existing mortgage? Which one of you want to wants to explain kind of what it is? I'll start. So, and then we'll just work off of this. So subject to the existing mortgage in short, just means that you are literally stepping in place as the person paying on an existing mortgage with somebody else's name on it. And they're going to transfer ownership of the property, meaning the deed, to you and your LLC. So in short, subject to a mortgage staying in place, we are making that payment and that person, that seller is no longer responsible, but we retain ownership of the property. In okay. short, that is what that is. Yeah. So Cam, if um, Sean and I, if I'm the seller and Sean's the buyer, how is that working? Who, who has the deed at the end? Who's making payments? What, what do I as the seller get out of this? So you as the seller um, retains the mortgage in your name. You, you do not make the payments. It is helping build your credit because timely payments are being made on your behalf and a loan that's still in your name. Um, as the buyer, uh, Sean is making all the payments. He's taking care of any um, issues that have to arise from the house, any repairs, any tenant issues if it's rented, anything that's going on. Sean now owns the house. So you as the seller, Ashley, you're free and clear of any responsibility to do with that house minus you still have a responsibility for that note. Everybody has to keep that in mind. Um, but that's essentially what it is. There's a lot of benefits to the seller and that the burden can be relieved from them and that they don't have anything. Lightning strikes the house. That's not, that's, that's not the seller's problem anymore, right? That's the buyer's problem. Uh, toilets get plugged up. That's the buyer's problem. So there's a lot of relief that comes from the seller, as well as still building credit and not defaulting on a mortgage, which is usually the biggest benefit. A lot of these might be going toward foreclosure. So, Okay. So then I, as a seller, don't have to deal with insurance or taxes or anything like that. Nope. Nope. Buyer takes care of all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So that's a pretty compelling uh, reason to, to do this. I mean, if you don't have to deal with making the payments or deal with the tenant or anything, but it's still getting paid. I mean, why not? That that's all those signs that you see all over the place. Like we take over mortgage payments or whatever, whatever they are. Um, full price but, offer. Yeah. Full price offer. Yeah. Full price uh, offer. Yeah. All those price. bandit signs. I'm yeah. always so tempted to call, but then I get distracted by something else. Like, you know, the stoplight. Um, as I'm driving. So it doesn't happen. Sean and I, um, Sean and I call. If I can get the number, I can all call. All the time. 
yeah. I snap, snap the photo and Tab's like, oh God, are you going to call another person you don't know? Like, yep, all day. <laughs> all day. <laughs> I think the one thing to keep in mind here that gets brought up a lot, and this gets brought up from the seller's side, side of you, is who in their right mind would allow the property to be deeded to somebody else and you still have the financial burden slash responsibility that you are responsible for this payment if that person doesn't make it. Why would they do that? And what I always tell people is, is that when this is being done, you have to keep in mind, people are bringing money to the table, meaning that buyer is going to be in one for closing costs. Let's just say that's five grand. If they're behind in their mortgage, you might be another five grand just to get them caught up. So they're $10,000 out of pocket, right out of the gate, right? So there's skin in the game there. And I tell people to realize or like make note of that. Take reality a check to say, yeah, this person's actually putting money up to help me. So if they do anything that's going to be unbeneficial at the end of the day, which is not pay the mortgage, bare minimum, they're walking away from the 10 grand they just came out of pocket. Now let's talk about the amount of money it's going to take to get the property to where it needs to be, whether it's long-term rental or whether it's short-term and turn it into a fix and flip. So now they're going to bring another, let's say, 50 grand to the table to go in and do repairs. So now they have almost $60,000 of their capital tied up in this property. So what would they, why or why would they not move forward with what they said they were going to do, right? On top of that, they're making your monthly payment. So maybe let's just use $1,000 a month and they're going to be doing that project for the next six months. That's another $6,000. So I tell people all the time, like, think about it this way. This person's reason to finish this out and help you like they said they were going to is one, just to get their money back. Two, it's finishing out just what we do is just doing the right thing and helping people out because sometimes you can't get out of these things. Right. And I think that was where we wanted to talk about one of the deals specifically. Right. Yeah. Well, and I wanted to say too, if they default and um, in the, in your contracts, it's always going to say like, if the buyer defaults, then deed resorts back to, um, to the seller. And in that case, you're not really, you're not in a worse off position. You might be in the same position, but you're probably in a better one because let's say you have sold this house subject to, and three years afterward, you, they've stopped making payments. Well, that's three years of principal payments that have gone down an interest on your mortgage. So now your mortgage is lower, which means that you can uh, maybe refinance to get a lower monthly payment because your credit is doing well because they've been making payments every month or you now it's now low enough that you could sell it as a retail deal and still get some good money out of it, especially if they put in uh, money for repairs and everything, because that's that's brought the value up as well. So you've got an even bigger spread there. Or you can just decide we had uh, one woman that decided she wanted to go back and live in it because she was moving back to the area. And so that was just like essentially three, four years of mortgage payments she didn't have to make. She didn't have to deal with tenants because she wasn't the landlord. And so it was completely out of sight, out of mind. And then she got to come back just like nothing had changed and pop right back into her house. So you're never going to be in a worse off position if they default. You're always going to be at least in the same spot, if not better. Yeah, that's a really good point. Really good point. So... Did we want to talk to on a sub to specific situation? Like one of the homes, specifically that one we did, I think it was Overman. Well, before we, yeah, get there, 
Um, I said at the beginning about like these being called creative finance deals. And I don't know if we, I think we've touched on this a couple of times, but creative finance deals are things that are outside of that regular norm that list a house on MLS, get paid or, uh, you know, close a deal, pay a commission, get paid. Anything that is kind of outside of that realm is considered a creative financing deal. And if you don't have an agent that works with investors regularly, that's going to be kind of confusing for them because it's confusing for us half the time. And we do this all the time. So it's like, if you really get someone that has never done this before, that's going to throw them off. So always try to work with, um, with agents that, uh, that have that investor experience. But on top of that as well is it, like I said, it's just anything outside of the box. Because a lot of what we do is we want to, yeah, out of wholesaling, out of the box. <laughs> um, we want to help sellers. All puns intended. Yeah, yep. all puns intended. Um, we want to help sellers and get out of these crappy situations because sometimes they are in bad situations. And so by doing this, we are able to still help the seller, even though it wouldn't work as a traditional deal. So then I guess from that, um, Cam and Sean, how creative can you get with these? Go ahead, Cam. <laughs> yeah, that's um, the whole out of the box thing, um, the name for the company, right? And this was before my time with the company, but I know that that embodies the whole thinking of the company and, and this program and everything about it. So we strive to teach you to, to learn outside of the box because the truth is that we're all raised in this box. Of, Here's your real estate agent. When you want to sell your house, you could try to sell it by yourself, but that's dangerous. You know, that people might come to your house and, you know, hurt you or they might fraud you or whatever. So you need a real estate agent. That's the only way you can sell your house, right? And the only way you can sell it was a traditional bank loan. That's how we're raised. And that's a bunch of garbage because truly, yeah, truly, as long as legally a buyer and a seller agree on something and sign a legal document that is obviously, um, is bilateral, meaning that the seller is going to get something and the buyer is going to get something and they agree on that and everybody's coming and everybody's signing and everybody has their best interest. You can do whatever you want. Honestly, there's almost no limit to it within the bounds of the law, obviously. So we've done some very um, non-traditional things to say, even, even, you know what I mean? Let's take over your mortgage for just a period of time while we flip it, right? So it's not necessarily a long-term situation where maybe the seller has 15 years on the mortgage and maybe the seller is comfortable with you just paying the payments for 15 years. Maybe they're like, well, no, because I really want to retire in X number of years. So in X number of years, I'd like the remainder of the balance paid off. You know, if you can get the seller talking, and being open-minded to how we can structure this, there's almost no limit to what can be done. It's it's everyone being comfortable and everyone being helped is the key here. So yeah, so you can break that box and throw it away as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Totally agree. I think being creative is probably the better part of these transactions than it is the traditional, right? So most of the time, if you get creative, you can actually pay a little bit more money. There's actually a file that we worked. I mean, this was a long time ago. I don't even think we were a team yet, but a long time ago where I sold the deal to an end buyer and we put the wholesale fee in a second lien position on multiple different properties as a land development situation. So there's so many different creative ways of doing this, right? It's not just from the seller side, it's from the buy side too. 
And mm-hmm. people just, if they, if they take the time to learn and understand these things and, or you're dealing with a company like us, that we can explain it. We can clearly explain what we're doing and what's going to happen. And yes, there's little nuances that we've got to go back to the attorney and like tighten up and do that kind of stuff. But majority of the time, getting creative is just another tool in your tool belt, right? So if you go worst case scenario, it's like cash offers, usually the lowest, and then sub twos like middle of the road. And then you're getting over to the owner finance, which is usually the highest offer. It's just, they're going to take time to get there, right? So yeah, I think that's a really good call is it's better to be creative, right? All the way around tax benefits, beneficial for seller and buyer. There's so many things that are beneficial by doing this, but understanding it is the hard part for people who are like, well, nope, don't, don't know that. Don't like it. Sounds weird. Doesn't mm-hmm. sound legal. Right. And that's usually what people's immediate response is when they don't understand something is it's illegal. Right. Like you can't do that. And it's like, no, it's very legal. It's done every day and all day and all the time. So <laughs> let's explain how it's done. Right. And yeah. get it across understanding. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the biggest hurdle. We, I yep. think we all, specifically Americans, but most, you know, people in general, you fear the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't know it. Whoa, that's scary. I don't know that. Yep. Well, let's talk about it. Like, I'm not pressuring you in this situation. Let's talk about how this would work and see if, see if it's something you think sounds legitimate. And I promise you, you can talk with an attorney and it is, but let me explain this, you know, and just, just layman's terms, because I'll tell you what, when somebody first explained to me, I was confused. And that's usually the way I approach it with a seller. But like, dude, I was confused too, but check this out. This actually works. This can work. Let me, let me see if I can walk you through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Layman's terms is a good word. Yeah. Don't be all legal mumbo jumbo trying to do all that kind of stuff. Cause it's gotta be as simple as possible to bring it through the head, put it in there, bang it around. Be like, all right, I got it. I understand it. Or now I at least get the concept mm-hmm. and see where yeah. if, and that's the other part too, like how can it go wrong? And what's going to happen to me if it does and be able to explain that clearly and not get too down in the details and minutia. Right. I mean, that's, that's the other part of this. Can you explain this very short and simple and people understand it because it's got to go back to what we always talk about. I got to trust, like, and believe you even to begin to get down this road and then back it up with the attorneys and the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's a really good talk. Yeah. Yep. So then um, that actually segues really well into the next topic, which is how do you introduce the idea of this to sellers um, because it is so strange? And then how are you evaluating deals with subject to or creative financing in general in mind? Like when does it start to enter your head that, oh, this could be a good subject to deal? I think from the stuff that I have dealt with in the past, and I know you guys are mostly in operations now and I'm not as much, but when we're structuring these things, we look at them as when's the best time to offer it is when the cash offer is just so low, right? And the mortgage is owed more than what your cash offer is. That's when the introduction comes into it. Well, hey, Mr. Seller, you know, my cash offer is going to be really low on this, but maybe we can talk about getting creative to where I could come in, use that existing loan, make those payments to you. And then maybe even the back end, maybe I might be able to pay you a little. Does that sound like it's something that works for you? Right. And then two things happen there. One, you're solving a problem, but two, they're not seeing where they make zero money. And the option of making money is now on the table versus does anybody want to work with anybody when they're not making anything? Not really. Not unless it's a person that, you know, cares about their credit and cares about them not getting, you know, banged over the head with a foreclosure. But I mean, by the time I say by the time, but most of the time people get to that point, they've probably missed 
60, 90 days, almost like seven months, they beat the hell out of their credit anyway. And they're like, well, what's, what's the worst case? I get a foreclosure. So what? I'm not trying to buy a house. That's some people's mentality. And then of course there's other ones that really care. Right. And it's like, they don't want to beat it up. They already know they're in a bad situation. They want to correct it, but is there any way that they can make some money? And sometimes it's not about the money. It's also just about to save their credit. Right. So a few different situations there and scenarios, but yeah, I think that's when an introduction comes into it is that it's owed too much to it. And I, maybe we can go this direction. This is really the only way I see this happening or I can possibly work with you to help you. And then maybe we can, let me tell you about my numbers. Let me show you how I would do it. What are the savings? What are, what's the reason it only makes sense to do this? That kind of stuff. I think that's the only time as introduction is like we talk about it with the tool and the tool belt. So it's like uh, cash offers too low. Okay. Next talk is sub two. And next talk after that is owner finance. If they don't owe anything on it and be able to get them more money. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And so Cam, why, why wouldn't you just assume that this works for every deal then? Like if it's such a good option, why not just put it on the table for every seller that you come across? Sometimes if sellers are, I'll give you a good example. If sellers are, I won't quite say over leverage. I wouldn't quite say they're underwater, but let's say market value of the house completely, completely fixed up is $100,000, right? Just to keep it simple. And they owe 95,000. It's probably not going to work. It's, it's too close, right? So there needs to be a spread between the principal owed on the mortgage and what it can be resold for. One, if you're going to resell and flip it, what it can be resold for after the repairs are in so that there can be still some profit realized. The note can be paid off, right? Or if you're going to hold it as um, a rental property, then you want an offset between the mortgage payment. So that's one of the things you got to ask the seller for, for sure, is to understand the payments and what that looks like. So you have a spread between the mortgage payment and the rent collected. And you as the owner now, subject to the existing mortgage, can collect that rent check or possibly owner finance the property out and have somebody else actually own the property. That's a little further conversation down the owner finance hole. That's like the next step level 2.0, if you want to, but that's another episode. That's another episode. There, there are many things you can do, but you first have to, and I think we often find, at least I find when when we start talking about this to to newer investors or even investors have been doing it for a little bit, they want to understand the whole thing. (laughs) I would always, I always tell, let's just bring it back to you understand sub two, like up and down and up and down, because once you understand that and you can communicate that to the seller, the rest of those doors open. And then we can talk about those doors and what they look like and what's inside. Yeah. Um, you try to get too far down the road and you, you can't see the forest for the trees sort of thing. So, so maybe I shouldn't have opened that can of worms. Or maybe <laughs> teaser, hey, teaser we're not, we're not to odd yet, yet, Dorothy. Well, yeah. <laughs> once you Actually, open your right mind, there. Yeah. Once you open your mind to the possibilities, creative financing gets a lot easier because the totally. first few are always like, what, what are you even trying to do here? And now I'm like, now, I mean, Sean will still write me about what it is. And I'm like, I can't do this over text. We have to talk this out. Like I, like I sort of get it, but I have to talk it out. Cause I'm going to have questions. <laughs> I like the references so. thing is like the idea of the wizard of Oz, right? Like, okay. You're starting back where the house fell. You got to work your way through and you're not quite up to the castle yet. And you definitely don't want to see behind the curtain. <laughs> uh, you're ready for that. It's not, you're not, you just don't want to yet. Right. So it's a very, 
it's a very long road to get down and it's not that hard, but you can't go to the end of the road and expect you like, Oh, here's what it is. You're like, but I don't even know how I got here. That's the same concept behind it because so many people want to rush to the end to get there, but they don't take the time to understand how it is that they even began to get there or like started the road to understand. So I think you brought up a really good point, which is like, Hey, just understand this, this spot, right? Let's stay right here. Then we'll take you outside of the box, but understand this piece because it's already creating enough as it is. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, it's like any board game you've ever played. Like you gotta, you gotta work your way through, even if you can skip some squares, Mm -hmm. you don't, you can't skip like the whole board. Yep. See, yeah. now, it's now it's monopoly, can... but then you're in, you're going in circles anyway. So does that even count? <laughs> now it's where we can assert the audio clip for that 90s song called Free Your Mind. Ashley. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, that, that fits I'll right try in to remember. There. Yeah. I'm not going to sing that song because that would be embarrassing. <laughs> ah, there's no such thing as embarrassment. Go. Let's hear it. Yeah. No, 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 no. I don't think so. Not today. Free your mind. There it is. Yep. There we go. Yep. Yeah. That's probably about all we can play without hitting copyright issues anyway. So there you go. Good oh, to go. Really? Uh, <laughs> the law. The law. Yeah, I know it's pretty limited. That's funny. So those darn laws, man. Mm, really get you. Man's yeah. getting you down. Um okay. So we talked a little bit about this earlier too, but paperwork. How how is everyone protected when you go into these deals? Like how do you, especially as the seller who does not know as much, how are you making them making sure that the seller is protected and that they feel comfortable with what they're doing? And of course, as the investor, how are you making sure you're protected too? Can yeah, you would- start with the paperwork on the front end and I can talk like the back end from the investor side versus the seller side? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So when I walk the seller through, and this is still the initial conversation, you know, there, there's always a conversation to understand the concept, right? And there's always a conversation about, well, how am I protected? What if you don't pay, right? And Sean and Ashley went over, great, like, we're going to put money into this. Why would we stop paying? Why would we put money into it and walk away? Those are all good things. Those are all talked about. But then at the end, all right, so let's say worst case scenario, because the paperwork is going to be drawn up by our attorney, you'll have a chance to review that. If you have an attorney, they can review that as well. No problem at all. It clearly states that the buyer, me, is going to pay this amount, right? And it's based off your mortgage payment. We're going to pay this amount of principal, insurance, taxes, um, and interest, right? Each month. And that's to be made by this date. And it spells all that out by this date. And of course, it goes in line with your due date. If there's not a payment made within X amount of time, then this is what will happen, right? And usually it follows a 30 and a 60 day. It kind of follows a default like a bank, right? And that's all outlined to say if the buyer, me, just stops paying and just walks away and just drops off the face of the earth. And all of a sudden the mortgage company is like, whoa, everybody stop paying. That's okay. That paperwork that, that we've signed in the beginning and that I've already signed as the buyer to say it's okay. After a certain period of time, I don't fulfill my primary responsibility, which is paying the mortgage. You just take it back. Like, the deed just gets put back in your personal name. And so now you own it again. And it's as simple as that. So you're still protected by that asset. And then most of them will say, (laughs) I've heard it a million times. I don't want the house back. I understand. I do understand that. But again, realizing that you'd be in a much better position if that happened. And again, why would I do that? I know you don't know me. I know you just met me 
I know we're getting to know each other, getting comfortable with each other, but if I spend a minimum of like three to $5,000 to close it and five to 10 at bare minimum to get this to where somebody's ready to move into it, usually more money, why would I just walk away? And I'll tell you what, usually people can understand that anybody that would do that would just really be an idiot because you just threw all this money away and gave me this property back. Why would I do that? So that paperwork, there's a little, there's more that goes into that paperwork, but that one thing about what happens when you don't pay is usually what you can see the comfort come over the seller. Okay. Well, yeah, if I can see that in writing. Okay. Yep. So that's what I would say about the seller's paper. That's what I emphasize all the time, because that's really what they want to know is what happens when you stop paying. They don't, they don't really want to know a lot of the other nuances um, with the rental agreement or anything like that. They're not concerned about that part. Yeah. All right. So let's jump on the buy side. So what does the buyer need from the seller once they've got the warm and fuzzies, right? About, okay, this thing works. They understand the transactions and now, okay, what does the buyer need to start this paperwork? Right? So first thing you're going to want is a copy of the existing mortgage statement, right? That's going to show what today's payoff. Well, roughly today's payoff is it's going to show the interest rate. It's going to show the time left on the loan. And it's going to show you that monthly payment. And that's what we call the PITI, Principal Interest Taxes and Insurance, right? So you're going to want that to start with because that's going to help you to start generating your paperwork, right? There's typically a loan number on there. It's what bank is holding the note. Um, all the details that we just talked about, like what's owed, what the monthly payment is, how long the term is. Um, and then the paperwork also that you're going to want to be very clear on is that you will retain ownership as the deed holder, but you will retain the same rights as the owner had with speaking to the bank on everything about the property, right? So if I call and I got to make a payment or if I've got issues that for whatever reason, something happened, maybe there was an insurance claim that had to go on. Um, and then this is another piece of the insurance part, like that insurance is existing under that owner. So the buyer is responsible for getting their own insurance policy in their name. So there's going to be two policies on it. But the first one only covers the original person, right? That person on the paperwork of the mortgage. You as the one that is holding the property needs to have their own insurance in case something were to happen. So these documents are really, I want to say sensitive, but you need to understand them to the, the fact of the up and down that Cam was talking about. You want to be very clear on them, right? So there's paperwork that goes over to the bank and says, hey, I'm the person that's now taking care of this property from a management standpoint, Right. I now have the rights to make these payments. I now have the rights to speak to the bank. And all of this even says it on the HUD. The sale of this property is subject to the existing mortgage. So when people are so worried about like, oh, this is under the radar and they don't really know and there could be a problem, it's not. It's very clear and it's happening all the time. The other piece of this is that you have to understand that there is what's called a due on sale clause in that paperwork. So the the idea there is, is that if the deed were to ever transfer out of that existing person's name with not paying the mortgage off, the bank or the note holder has the right to say, hey, you owe me this money today, right? Now, in today's climate, we're in 2021, dealing with all of this, you know, issues with moratorium, foreclosure issues. So they're in like 7 million defaulted notes. Nobody wants that back. They don't give a shit as long as they're getting their payments. 
right? So the idea that somebody is running down to the courthouse and checking deeds all the time is very unlikely, right? So in that off chance that it could be called due, yes, that is real. But again, why? They're getting payments. It's a performing note. They're not worried about it, right? As long as they're getting their payments. So understanding that piece of this as well, and that you understand in the paperwork that says how it transfers from your name, from their name to yours, and how you're responsible for making payments, how you can talk to the bank, and then how you're putting insurance in place and how you're taking care of the property and all these little nuances that are in the paperwork that we send. So that when the seller goes back to what Cam was saying, they are, you got them on the warm and fuzzy train. They're comfortable. They're good to go, right? But then here comes the paperwork. Well, now we're like, oh my gosh, because this is not your typical, you know, one to two page doc. This is probably like, you're probably getting Five in. To eight. Yeah. I mean, we're under 10 pages. We're not like a rain contract and we're not like a mortgage contract, but like we're getting into substantial oh. paperwork, right? So you need to be able to understand that. And that's where you want to take the time to go to an attorney or get with a group like us and like, let us explain it to you. Right. I mean, we're going to do the, what do we call it? Like, we got to do our disclaimer that we're not attorneys and we're not giving you legal advice, but Hey, we've only been doing this for 10 years and we've done a lot of deals. So maybe we can help you, you know, that kind of thing. So that is what I feel like on the buyer side that you guys really want to pay attention to and understand what paperwork is needed and then reading your paperwork and understanding it. So you can explain it and knowing what you as the buyer are getting ready to step into because keep in mind, this goes back to the bare minimum. If you are going in to help this person and you are taking over, they don't care anything else what happens. They just want their payment taken care of and they want to know that you're doing it, right? So anything that happens after that, they don't know about, right? They know that, and let's just put it this way, like Cam is the one that took over my property, told me I was safe and told me I was good and the payment would be made. That's all I care about. Cam's the one that told me I was comfortable, right? So if you do something else with that paperwork and they don't know about it, they don't know, they don't know who to contact. They just know they're going to go back to Cam. So- and bare minimum, take care of it, right? When things go bad, you got to still make the payment because that's what you said you were going to do, right? So that's the other part of this is if you can't afford to do that, whether you've got multiple properties, you got your own mortgage, you got whatever, don't do this. Like this is going to wreck somebody's credit. This is going to hurt somebody in a really financial way if you don't take care of it the way you say it to. But this is a really good way to build a portfolio, right? Subject to the existing mortgage, creative financing from an owner holding paper. Like this is a really creative way to build your portfolio as long as you do what you say you're going to do. And I think that would probably wrap up like the buyer side as far as like what's needed to know. Yeah. And that actually leads really well into the final part of this is examples. Um, because I think Sean, Sean mentioned like what happens if you do something with the note, and that is making sure that from the very beginning, you are super, super clear. So we've got a property right now that we took over subject to Cam negotiated everything on the front end. And then he like, once it gets to a certain point, he was like, listen, I can answer some questions for you from here. But at, at this point on, Ashley is going to be your point of contact. She is the one that is handling everything with the attorneys. She's the one that deals with insurance, mortgage payments, everything. So while I can help, she is the one you need to contact. And so even though he's the one that, um, you know, negotiated the deal, made promises, I'm the one as part of the company that has to keep those promises. And um, it's worked out really well. This, this seller knows to call me if something happens. 
Um, like we got a notice about water being shut off one day and I had to spend, I, I spent literally eight hours on the phone with the city of Portsmouth because someone in the city of Portsmouth decided that this address existed as, cause it was a, an apartment over a garage. Um, even though there was no tax ID. So I was calling in between the water department and the tax department, like, Hey, water department says this exists. And the tax department's like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, okay, can you send me an email? to show them so that I can show them that. And they're like, oh no, they can come downstairs. So <laughs> if you are taking about over, that. I forgot yeah, about that one. if you are taking over, that is something that you need to know that that like he do what you say you're going to do and know that that is going to, things like that are going to happen, but make sure that you are keeping with what you told them you were going to do and be That's upfront with them. Very important. Mm-hmm. Very important. So any other examples you guys want to talk about? Um, Sean, not Overman, which little podcasting secret here. We're actually about to record last week's episode, which is where we will talk about this other one. So um, I would uh, anything other than that. What other ones you got, Cam? I would bring up um, the one that, although we didn't close on it, we had everything set up for that. Um, but that deal just changed. Um, where we had one set up where we were going to take over the mortgage for an existing period of time. And in, in, on top of that, so the mortgage was about 40000 And on top of that, the purchase price that we agreed to with the seller that worked was $70,000. So the, the, the owner was going to take back an additional lien, basically a second deed of trust against the property for the remainder that we told him we would pay him for a specific amount of time. So you want to talk about getting into a deal for very little money, getting into a deal where you're going to pay a mortgage payment, which was relatively small, and you're going to pay the owner another payment um, when you refinance that property down the road, right? And he was fine sitting and leaving that money sit, a little bit of interest involved, but leaving that money sit for a period of time, that's another way where you can get creative. So it's it's almost, it's the owner finance and the note and the self, and it's a subject too, because there was still a mortgage in place and all that works as well. You just need to be able to clearly communicate, like Sean said, like how this works, what your part in it as the buyer is and what their part in it as the seller is and anybody else that might be involved. So we've done a lot of creative things with those. The biggest hurdle is the first conversation and get everybody comfortable. Very true. Very true. <laughs> Any example you want to talk about, Sean? No, because I think that one we're going to use on the on the next talk. So I'd rather use that and describe it over there because it makes more sense for that yeah. that episode. So I think we last hold... week's episode on bridge loans. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> All we'll the magic behind one. everything. <laughs> <laughs> next week, last week, we don't know. Yeah. We're just here talking. Right, we're in a virtual world, man. It could be the week before. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It's COVID times. We're all really busy. Like it's hard to get together to record. Plus, less recording sessions means less days that I have to do my makeup and my hair so ah, um, there it is <laughs> you know that that helps too <laughs> yep. but okay so if you guys um any final thoughts on subject two before we sign off all I can say is learn it learn it detail it get deep under it and understand it and read the books on it there's so many different types of podcasts and books and things that talk to this exact process that there's, there's more than what we even do. Right. I mean, there's super creative things that outside that what we already existingly know and do, but man, if you want to get into this deep dive, it 
YouTube University, the hell out of it. Get into some podcasts. Just dig. And you'll be amazed at the things that are available. Not only that, but if you can introduce it to a seller, you are now just a, another piece to something that they had no idea about. And you're actually more interesting. You're actually more of a viable person to them than just the guy that called them and gave them a cash offer. And not only did not cover their loan, but it was like super low and they were, they were offended, you know? So I think that's something you got to keep in mind is that when you want to, when you want to do something like this, get underneath of it, get with a team like this, get with a group that does it and knows it so that you're not recreating the wheel. And it's going to be very helpful and beneficial one to build a portfolio and two, just to give you another tool in your tool belt. Yeah. I would say um, to try it. Like you said, learn it. Yeah. Learn it first and then try it. Introduce it to sellers when it makes sense and talk through it and not to get discouraged. It took me and I still remember over a year of pitching different offers sub two to where one guy said, yeah, that makes sense. And I did two things when each one of those other sellers was like, what are you talking about? All right. Tell me where I lost you. Like, tell me and let me how, try to help you explain it. Right. And just listen to that feedback. And then, you know, asking this team, of course, like, look, guys, where did this go wrong? This is what I told them. And this is what they said. Right. And just tweaking that because it's not you are introducing a brand new concept to 99.9% of people you're going to talk to. So it's not an easy conversation. You giving me cash for my house and selling it. Easy conversation. That's money. The sub two part, not. So don't get discouraged, man. It took, it took well over a year for me to successfully be like somebody like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's go. Where do I sign? Yeah. Caveman talk or 2021 talk. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Key yep. house. <laughs> what is this creative financing? What do you mean? I give you my keys and you never give me any money. What do you mean? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, Awesome, guys. Um, thanks, Cam and Sean, for joining me on this episode. For everyone that is watching or listening, um, sorry, a little head twitch there, watching or listening, um, thank you so much for tuning in, for learning about subject two. Um, stop. <laughs> and um, if you are interested in learning more about us or our program or any other information we offer, find us on YouTube, find us on Instagram, look at our website, www.wholesalingoutofthebox.com and join us next week for our end of the year pod, where we go over, um, all of the fun stuff. Last year was a really fun one. We got really into that toilet paper debate. So I've got some controversial stuff for, us for this year too. Nice. So thanks everyone. And we will talk to you soon. Bye.